thank you that your word tells us that when we draw near to to you, you draw near to us. God, we want more of you, so we ask you for that. God, we ask you for more, for closeness, for for intimacy. We, We ask you for that. We thank you that that's your heart for us, that you long for that with us. God, we thank you for the sweetness of your presence and the love that you have for us. You're a good God. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Well, good morning, Shiloh. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Uh, So I was thinking about Mother's Day and thinking about the mothers in my life. Right, so I have my mom, obviously, uh, and I have uh, my mother-in-law, I have my wife, Emily, um, who's an awesome mother, I have sister-in-laws that are mothers, so a lot of mothers in my life, and um, I was thinking, you know, one of the, the most profound memories I have of my mom is uh, just waking up when I was, was much younger, and my brothers and I would come from, from upstairs, our rooms, downstairs, and, you know, pretty much every morning, my mom is out there with you know, one or two or three Bibles, like a bunch of notebooks and a bunch of books. And she is reading the Bible. She's praying. And we know she's praying for us. She's praying for, you know, stuff going on. And it just had a real profound impact on me seeing that and seeing the, just the value and importance of that. Um, and, and, and that's really the heart of, of our message this week or the series that we're going through. It's called Game Changers. Pastor Ed talked about Hungry, Hungry Hippos last week, right? And we looked at the, the rediscovering the importance of God's word. And he talked about how hippos eat a lot. And it was an unbelievable amount of grass that they eat every day. And I, I just can't fathom that there's enough grass for hippos to actually survive. It was unbelievable. But the idea, is, the idea is that we need to be hungry for the word of God, right? And there, there's a reason that, that we need to go back more and more and more. And, that, and that's, you know, that's about being hungry. This week we're talking about mousetrap probably guessed that. Uh, But Mousetrap is a game where you're trying to get some cheese, and um, I I haven't decided if it's a cat or a person or a a mix of both that's trying to get you. Um, But the idea of Mousetrap is you're you're trying to get away from from mouse. And, you know, my my brothers and I played this a little bit growing up, but uh, after a couple rounds, we lost some pieces, and then the game's just tough, and you can't play anymore. So um, I I didn't play this a whole lot, but this is really what's going to drive our our series or our, our message today. And it's about Satan's plan for us versus God's plan for us, right? So that's, that's the goal of the mice, right? That, or the goal of the cat is to, to catch us. Um, and, and we obviously don't want that because that ends poorly. But we're exploring the power of God's word as we go through this. And really, that's going to be the backbone of our message today. Um, I, le- I read a lot of verses. I have them up on the screen for you sometimes. But um, you know, the, the, my heart here is for us to understand how God's word can be powerful in, in a way that impacts the plan of the enemy against us. So here's the stage. Um, here's the, the, the stage of, of the game that we're playing. And uh, the Bible plays it out for us pretty clearly. It talks about um, the, the Satan's plan versus God's plan. So John 10.10 10 tells us that the thief only comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I, that's Jesus talking, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. And I just liked how the... Uh, the um, the Amplified has this, uh, this written out a little bit. So, uh, the thief only comes in order to steal, to kill, and destroy. And I have come that may have life, enjoy life, and have it in abundance to the full or till it overflows. 
You know, when, when we think about the, the plan of the enemy, what, he's, what he wants to do, it's, it's actually pretty basic. So the plan of the enemy is to steal, to kill, and destroy. You know, a lot of us could probably think about what does that look like in our life. There are a lot of ways the enemy tries to do this. Relationships, dreams you have, uh, plans, uh, your, the, the picture that God has put for, for you. The enemy is going to try to, to take it down. And he's clear about it, and he can be pretty effective at it. Right? But God is the inverse of that and more powerful than it. And God's plan for us is that we would have life, you know, that we'd have full life or abundant life. Uh, and then I put this in here. This isn't in the verse. That's okay. Um, but I think we can all agree that God's plan is for us to have eternal life. Right? So we know the plan of the enemy. We know the game plan of the enemy, and we know God's game plan. Can, can anyone tell me, I want you to, to say it, what do these numbers represent? Shout it out. What? No, nope, not chapter and verse. Although maybe we'll see, we could see scores of football of Patriots Super Bowls. That's right. Yeah, Patriots Super Bowls. There's a lot of. I know it's confused. There's so many of them. All right. So if you're like me, you don't like it when a game gets ruined, right? When when you find out the end of the game before you've watched it, that, that's it's ruined, right? I, I don't really care to watch it anymore because, you know what, like, I know what's going to happen. So let's say your team is down in the third quarter, 28 to 3. You're like, you know, I, I, if you know what happens in that game and you know that they win, you're like, well, okay, let's see how this works out. You're kind of excited. If you don't know how it's gonna, they're, they're going to win or if they're going to win, you know, that, that's a little bit of a different experience. So what I would like to do is ruin the rest of this game for all of you today. Okay, you can be mad at me, that's fine, uh, but I'm going to ruin this for all of us. Slides are out of order. Here we go. So, Deuteronomy 24. For the Lord your God is the one who gives or goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you victory. John 16:33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Go. Ephesians 6.13, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything, to stand. 1 John 5.4, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Proverbs 21.31, the horse is made ready for the day of battle, but victory rests the Lord. 1 Corinthians 5.57, but thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Last one, I promise. Romans 8, 31 to 32. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? So how does the game end? We win. That's right. God wins. That's a victory. The first service, even before I, I went through all this and had my big reveal, someone shouted, Jesus has victory. Yeah, he does. God wins, right? So the enemy's game plan to still kill and destroy ultimately fails. God's game plan to give us life, abundant life, and then truly eternal life wins. So what we're talking about today is that in-between time, right? And, and I'm not here to at all minimize what that in-between, that life time is at all. You know, I, I, can, I can understand that 
there are a lot of situations that people go through and a lot of challenges that they have that it's not just easy for you to go up and be like, oh, God has a victory, cool, and you just go on your way. That's not reality, and I understand that. Um, you know, I, I'm not here to minimize it at all. I, my heart is that you're encouraged to know that ultimately God has the victory and ultimately God is with you in this. And what I hope to do is give you some tools along the way. So our model for that tool we can find in Luke 1, Luke 4, 1 through 11. This is the story of Jesus being tempted. So Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The Lord said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. The Lord answered, or Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. The devil led him to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. He said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. There we go. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished this tempting, he left him for an opportune time. So just a quick observation as you read this. Jesus is in the, the wilderness for 40 days, right? He didn't eat any food. He was hungry. How many of you would be much more than hungry after 40 days? Yeah, I would be very hangry after 40 days. And that's, you know, that's what the enemy's doing. He is coming in, and the first thing he's doing, he's like, hey, turn this to, to bread, right? The enemy is jumping right in on that opportunity because his goal is to derail our lives for what God has for us. And that's what the devil's game plan can look like. You know, it can look like a lot of things. I have, I have three here that I wanted to point out. So first, the devil's going to try to tempt us to sin. Yeah, he's going to try to, to put that thing in front of you that's enticing, that thing that you want to do. Maybe it's that thing for the first time, for the hundredth time. Maybe it's for the first time in years. But the enemy is going to come in and try to, to tempt us. Or we could probably think of those areas in our life where he's, he's good at putting that, that carrot right in front of us. You know, Jesus had this happen to him when the enemy said, you know, bow down and worship me, and I'll give all this to you. Right? He's, he's tempting Jesus to sin. Or maybe it's tempting you to second guess what you know is true. So that could be doubts about yourself, your purpose, your position with God, but the enemy's going to come in and, and try to make you second guess and doubt and doubt and doubt because he wants to, we know his game plan, to steal, kill, and destroy. So he did this to Jesus when Jesus was in, um, was in the desert, and he said, hey, turn these stones to food. Right? Jesus knew... God would provide for him. He's trying to get Jesus to sin in that instant. Or maybe it's tempting to feel in a way that's counter to the truth. So we know the truth. We, we can learn the truth that God has for us. But he, the enemy is going to come in and try to make us feel in a way that's not true. Right? In a situation, maybe with sin or in a struggle. And we see this with Jesus when, when um, the enemy says to jump down. Right? To take matters into own hands. Or excuse me, to test God. 
And Jesus is like, no, that's not, the, that's not the plan God has for me. That's not the truth that I have. But the enemy is really good at this. We don't need to spend a lot of time here because we know the devil's game plan. It can be pretty effective for us. But God has a plan for us as well. This help comes in a lot of ways. Here's three that I wanted to talk through. Uh, the first is he gives us truths. So I wrote truths rather than truth because, you know, there are so many things in the word that are true that we can stand on. Bible verses are true. When we have these experiences with God, right, like we talk about baptism, you know, what's, what's one of the benefits of baptism other than it's clearly stated in the Bible? I look at baptism as that stake in the ground. You can go back to it and say, you know what, like I, th- this was a time when I knew God was telling me to do something and I walked in obedience, right? He gives us truths in our life. John sixteen thirty three says, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak of his own. You speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. So the spirit of truth is the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit comes to bring truth to our lives. When the enemy's coming to, to mess up, the Holy Spirit's there, right? How many times in our life have we had a situation where we felt um, a challenge of doubt, second-guessing ourselves, or something that's not true, and God comes in, the Holy Spirit comes in with a verse, with a person, a text message, you know, hearing something, that, that's how the Holy Spirit works, is to bring us truth. The second is, God helps us by giving us a way out. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 tells us, No temptation has overcome you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Right? So, even in situations where we're tempted to feel one way, God is giving us a way out in that. And that can be hard to see, and that can be a prayer that you pray, but God's given us a way out. Hebrews tells us that Jesus experienced life like we did. He was fully God, but he was fully man. And so it says that we have a high priest who can sympathize with us. And lastly, God helps us by giving us a weapon. Ephesians 6, 13 through 17 says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with the feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now, I think it's interesting that, that the weapon he gives us, is, so the weapon he gives us is the word of God. All those other things listed there are, are defensive. Right? I mean, maybe you could hit someone with a shield. I guess you do hit people with shields. But for the most part, you're hitting people with a sword, right? And whenever watch like a medieval thing, can I get some nods to make sure? Yeah? Okay. A couple people. Most people haven't seen that. That's okay. Um, we, can, we can do that another time. So he gives us a weapon, and that weapon is the word of God. Uh, I remember much younger growing up, I, re- I memorized a scripture from Hebrews. It's Hebrews 4.12. It says, also, or, uh, the word of the Lord is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Penetrates to divide soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. If the word of God is a weapon. It's a weapon. And that's where I want to go with us today. Um, oh, just lost my verse. Here we go. So this weapon that we look at, 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they demolish power, or they have divine power to demolish strongholds and demolish arguments and every pretension. That's a claim. 
every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You know, when, when I uh, have read this verse before, the part that always stands out to me is we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. You know, because I think about it and I'm like, I know the knowledge of God. The Word of God tells us who God is. The Word of God tells us who we are in Him. And so when the enemy comes to try to, to get you to sin or to feel a way that's not correct, that's not in line with God, or to second guess who God has made you to be, right, when, he's, when he's done that, that's against the knowledge of God. And we have power, we have divine power in the spiritual realm to be able to, to attack that and, and deal with that. And we're going to use Jesus' formula to do this. Right? So if you remember from uh, Jesus being tempted, when the devil came to him, Jesus did something three times. He said, it is written, and then he gave a Bible verse, right? It is written. And for us, that, that's what I want to use because I want to do what Jesus did. So when he says it is written, what we're going to say, you can change it a little bit, but we're going to say your word says. And this is how I pray, and this is how I've, I've dealt with situations when I've encountered the, the enemy trying to steal, kill, and destroy my life. This is how I've, I've got to that point, or I, I've gone through that. Uh, Jesus says, your word says, and he says it out loud. So that's what we're going to do. All right. Exploring the power of God's word, we'll look at fear first. So this weapon that we have, if, we, if you ever felt fear, uh, you know it could be something that just grips your heart in a lot of different ways. After the first service, a couple of people came up to me and told me just different things, specifically about this with fear. Right? So you know, fear, fear is something that we've faced from time to time. When I was 16, I was driving my brother's school, and I hit ice and rolled my, my dad's truck and totaled it. And, you know, not, not a good situation for a 16-year-old at all. Uh, but what it did is just birthed me fear. Where, not when I was driving, it wasn't really fearful, but um, I would be, I would like wake up from a dream and just be like gripped. You know that feeling where your heart's just like gripped with fear, right? I, I would feel that. And, and I, I remember just crying out to the Lord and looking at um, Psalms 34.4. It says, I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from my fears. And that really brought freedom for me. And so what I want to do is give you this tool for how Jesus would, would combat the enemy. And this is, this is what I would do. I would say, God, I'm dealing with this fear in my life. Your word says that when I seek you, you'll answer me, and you will deliver me from my fears. Or 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and of self-discipline. Right? This is how I pray. When I deal with a situation with fear, and that's for myself, that's when my kids have, have a nightmare and I'm going in when someone else is afraid, that's what I'm doing. I'm going to the Father and saying, God, your word says you have not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. God, help me to see that in my life right now. Help me to experience what that's like. Or maybe there's a situation with worry. I don't know about you, but um, since I had kids, I mean, I probably worried before, but since I had kids, you definitely worry a lot more, right? So you start like worrying, you know, I'll be like worried about them going to sleep or my wife and I will be out and someone's putting them to bed, right? And you just, you worry about them a little bit. And worry has this weird way of just going down this rabbit trail of like someplace so far away, right? So you're worrying about this, worrying about this, and you're like, man, I hope my kids like don't join ISIS, right? Like that's your worry. Somehow you get there, right? Somehow you get to that point. 
And you know what? Like, obviously, that's not true at all. But the enemy wants to, to derail. He wants to steal, to kill, and destroy. That's what he wants to do. So here's what I do. When I deal with worry, when I have worry in my heart, I, I say, God, Philippians 4, 6 through 7, don't worry about anything or don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ. So I say, God, your word says, don't worry about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So I say, God, this is what your word says. Thank you that you have watched over my kids, that you have cared for them, that you love them even more than I do. It's the model that I go through. Or maybe it's wisdom. I mean, how many of us have needed wisdom in the past for, for something? I mean, I, I know that there have been times when I'm like, I have no idea what to do about this. Or maybe that's something that you're, you're thinking even right now about a decision you have to make with your job, with your finances, with, with parenting, with your marriage. You know, there's so many places that we need wisdom. James 1, 5 through 6 says, If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Right, so if you need wisdom, we ask. And this is how I pray. I say, God, your word says, if anyone needs wisdom, to ask and believe, and you'll give it to them. Now, do I get that wisdom right there? Probably not. Right? I, that's, that's okay. But, but probably not right away. You know, but as we continue to call out God's promises, there, there's something that's going to happen. And you know what? Like, it, it's not my words that say you're going to get wisdom. It's the Word of God that says you're going to get wisdom in this, right? So as we need wisdom, like I, I, people have, like, will sit and talk to me and tell me a situation. I'm like, I have no idea. I have no idea what to do, what to do here. And I, like, you're coming to me to like, talk to me because I should know, and I just don't, right? So let, let's pray. And this is what I do. I say, God, your word says if we need wisdom, ask. And that's, that's what I fall, fall back on every time, right? And, you know, just to, to reiterate my point earlier, th- this is in no way to minimize the situation you're in with, with whatever that you're going through. This is really my heart to say, here's what God's word says. Let's, let's do what Jesus did. Let's be like Jesus Right? Let's say God's words back to him. Because to me, that's the most powerful thing you can say to God. When you're in a situation and you're praying, what else can you say? 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. Right? So if all Scripture is God-breathed, uh, that means all Scripture is God-breathed. Right? He said all those things. And because of that, we know there's power in it. And just like Corinthians talked about, our weapons and warfare are not of this world. Right? But they demolish strongholds. So we don't necessarily see it happening, but we can believe that, that it's happening because that's what the Word of God says. So um, next we have mistakes. So if you're like me, this is something I've, I've dealt with in my life. It's, um, oh, peace. Thank you. Um, so for peace. Oh, okay, yeah. Peace, Philippians 4, 7 says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ. Um, my, my brother just had a baby, and my wife and I had picked up my niece, Nora, um, from, the, from the hospital, driving her home. And you might be thinking, wait a minute, we know Nora, and we know Dan and Miranda and Ezra, their baby. I actually have two nieces named Nora. That's right. I don't know if anyone knew that. Just in case Dan is listening to this, Norva Carroll was the first Nora, so I guess he gets the credit for that. Yeah. All right. Um, but she was crying, 
she was sad because she was leaving her dad. Right? She, she was just upset and you know, tearful, and we, we tried to like, play some, some music for her, and you know, she, she didn't really work. And so finally I was like, Nora, I can tell you're really sad. Can we just pray for you right now? And so we just, we just prayed for her, and one of the things we said was, God, your word says that the God of peace which transcends understanding, that passes understanding, that doesn't make sense, will be with her. And that's how we prayed for Nora, right? It's, it's a simple way that we can do that and just infuse that into, into our language. Okay, mistakes. So, um, you know, mistakes, if we're talking about sin, we definitely need to acknowledge that sin is sin, right? And the Word says, if you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness, right? But if you've done that and you're beating yourself up over and over again, you know, that was me growing up. If I, if I didn't do it perfectly, I just would beat myself up, right? And that was, that was a challenge I had for me. And, and uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 tells us, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, and the new is here. Right? So how I pray is, God, your word says, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. You know, I don't feel like a new creation right now. Would you please help me? Show me what that looks like. Show me how to walk in that. Right? That's, that's us calling to God's promises. Or maybe you're feeling alone. You're feeling distant from God. You could, you could apply alone to a lot of things. We're looking at alone, separate from, from God. You just feel that distance. You see people who have a relationship with God, and you're like, oh, I want that. I want to be close to God. Right? I, I just don't know how to do that. So Luke 11, 9 through 10 says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. You know, that, how I pray is, God, your word says, ask and you'll receive. So God, help me to be close to you. I want that. James 4.8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Right? God, your word says, if I draw near to you, you will draw near to me. Would you draw near to me now? Show me what that looks like. That's how I pray because we, we want to be like Jesus and use the model that he gave us here. So, you know, my wife and I uh, used to live in Nashua, and we lived by Mines Falls, which is a park, and there was this path that you could, you could walk down. It kind of looked like this. This isn't it. I didn't get a picture, uh, unfortunately. But it, it looks like this, where there's a path, and there's trees hanging over, and you could just look down, and it's really far. Right? It's cool to walk on. Uh, and I was just you know, thinking, last week, Pastor Ed talked about faith. He said, you know, faith is always moving. And this path is kind of like life for us. We're walking, and it requires faith to keep going. And I felt like, you know, the verses, these times that we say these promises of God, these times that we're saying these verses to God, it's kind of like taking a rock, and it's kind of just like throwing the rock. I'm not going to really do it. Um, It's a big rock. But it's kind of like throwing that rock ahead of us, right? So that way, if we're in a situation and we need wisdom, and we say, God, your word says, if anyone needs wisdom, ask and believe, right? As we walk down the path of life, there's going to be times when, you know what, you need wisdom again, right? You need that wisdom in your life, and God is so good that you're going to have this rock to be able to pick up and look at it again and have that promise again. You know, sometimes you have to do that, and the rock just goes, you know, a little bit, and you need to do it every day. That's okay. But what we're doing is we're calling out the promises of God. We're saying, God, your word says this, help me to walk in. So as we walk through life, 
I've always been impressed how in situations that I need something, right? I'm dealing with, you know, fear or, or I need wisdom or there's, you know, a, la- a lack of peace in my heart. I can look down and, and this is there for me because that's how the Holy Spirit works and that's how God works. He's just really good at that. He's really good at that. So how do we get these rocks? How do we get to the point where we can um, just pick up these rocks and go? All right. Well, um, let me tell you. Drivers honk to say hello. Busy trucks are on the go. Building bridges and fixing roads. Lifting big and heavy loads. From town to town and here to there, busy trucks are everywhere. Here's a truck that's loud and big. Excavator loves to dig. Next is dump truck, large and strong. Watch him move that dirt along. Concrete mixer roars and rumbles. See his drum? It turns and tumbles. Soon he opens up his spout and all the concrete rushes out. Hear him rumble, watch him run. Big bulldozer gets things done. Scooping rocks and dirt and sand, here he comes to lend a hand. Freight trucks carry clocks and cakes, books and boots and garden rakes. Through the mountains, up and down. Here you go, from town to town. I could keep going. Does anyone want me to keep going? (laughs) That's right. All right. So, this is Busy Trucks on the Go. It's one of my kids' favorite books. They they love it. Uh, Andrew loves this book so much, he's destroyed it like three times, just with his love of, of grabbing it and turning the pages. But why do I know Busy Trucks on the go? I've read it a lot. I've read it over and over and over and over again. You know, last week, Pastor Ed gave us a challenge. He said, you know, try to memorize a verse. That's awesome. If you're going to do that and you're going to take the time to just intentionally memorize a verse, man, that's awesome. Do it. Do it, do it. That's such a good thing. Um, I, I have a bunch of verses that I have memorized from when I was young because um, when I was, I don't know, 10, for, for Royal Rangers, which is like the more Christian version of Boy Scouts, right? I was a buckaroo of the year for Outpost 43, right? That's right. So thank you. You can clap for that. That's okay. Uh, so I got, I, I had to memorize a ton of Bible verses for that, a ton of Bible verses. For, that was so good for me. Now, um, we don't all do that. We don't all do that. But how you know those words, how you can start to, to be able to take these rocks and just pick them up and say them is we read the Word. We go to the Word, right? We're, we're going to those promises and we're reading it. You don't have to memorize it. Read it again and again. You know why? Because you're going to pick those rocks up again and again, and you're going to start to get these hidden in your heart. Those, those words are going to start to be hidden in your heart. So I put together this. Um, it looks like this. So this is basically what you just saw. Uh, but, you know, if, if we were 10, 15 years ago, I would say, okay, now in the front of your Bible... Write down these verses so you can flip back. But how many of us carry a Bible with them everywhere? I don't. I just don't anymore. I have my phone. So I wanted to give you something that you could take with you on your phone. Um, but if you go to shilohcommunity.church slash your word says, that picture will pop up for you. So you can have it on your phone. You can download it. You can screenshot it, whatever you need to do. But when you're in a situation that you need, um, you need to, be, to have a promise of God, Right? The enemy's coming in, and he is trying to steal, kill, and destroy. We know this is game plan. Right? We're, we want to do what Jesus did. We want to go to the Word of God. We want to be able to have those promises of God so we can take them and, and throw them ahead of us so that as we walk in faith, they'll be there for us to pick up and keep going because that's how good God is. So here's my challenge. Um, as you go home, right, just like I did for my niece Nora, and I prayed, God, your word says, you give us peace that passes understanding. 
right? It, my, my challenge is small group at the dinner table, in the car, praying for someone, to take a verse and to pray it just like that. Just use Jesus' formula. He gives us a model for a reason. He wants us to follow that. So that, that would be my challenge for all of you this week, to take a verse and find a way to incorporate it. And then we're trusting that, that later on, we're going to pick that promise up again when we need it. Let's pray. So Father, God, we thank you that just like your word says, like the rains come down on the earth and water it, um, so your word always accomplishes what it sets out to do. God, your word says that your word will be forever. The, the word of God will be forever. So we, we cling to that truth. Would you help us to hide these truths in our heart so that when, when the enemy's game plan to trap us, to steal, to kill, to destroy, God, that we, we have those promises to cling to, to hold on to, and to model just like you told us to model. Thank you for your word. Would you help us to hide it in our hearts? God, we pray a blessing on the, the church today. Would you be with each and every one of us as we go about this week? And would you let um, your words ring true in our hearts? It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a great week.